The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Hi, I'm Matt Lee. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Pod Yourself a Gun. A Sopranos podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and And talk talk about about it. it. Thank you guys so much once again for listening to the world's only Sopranos podcast. Just a, a quick reminder to give us five stars in a review. You can do that on Spotify now. Not the review part, but the stars. You can give us stars. So please do it. Um, and the reviews that we've been getting um, on on the Apple podcast store have been great, uh, except for we got another bad one. Um, this one was from a user named J Reed Jones, who subject line, Matt Lieb needs to be punched in the face. <laughs> and, um, uh-huh. go the, on. Yeah. Well, I mean, he, had, then, he hooked me with the first line. Where, where does did, it go from but there? But then the, uh, the body is C title. <laughs> That's, That's it? it. Oh man. It's just a reiteration that I need to, no reason why I need to be punched in the face. And here's the thing. If you believe I need to be punched in the face, that's fair. You know, that's I understand that. But that guy gave us one star. Someone so, did email thinking that you were making fun of uh, Stolen Valor. So maybe that's what it was. I did see that email. And mm-hmm. I think I I was making fun of Stolen Valor. And I understand that some people are like, no, that's a big deal. And I'm like, yeah, but I mean, isn't it more sad for the person stealing valor than the people who for whom valor? I mean, because it's not like they take away your valor, right? Yeah, your valor is still there. Yeah, you like, still have valor. Just it's just being, someone is faking someone it. is having a sad life, and uh, yeah, you know, they I feel more. They shouldn't, just, but like it doesn't change the fact that they got problems. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people shouldn't do bad things, but some of those bad things are almost victimless so i don't know man yeah <laughs> but but anyway hey, so you got a free is, coke good hustle but also uh jerry jones uh eat my dick uh if you're gonna tell me i need to be punched in the face you have to give us five stars those are the rules um and also i just want to say real quickly to our 200 donor ryan who's got the big dick and the giant vein 
Um, now, Ryan, if he s- wants to punch Matt Lieb in the face, uh, you've, you're allowed. You've, yeah, you've paid for the privilege. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I want to, um, like a fireman slides down a pole, I want to slide down your giant dick vein. And Kenley Bidwell, you can punch Matt Lieb in the face and he has to keep the glasses on. That's how much yeah. that $300. I'll keep my glasses yeah. on and you can punch me until the glass breaks into my eye mm-hmm. and I will smile and say, please, sir, may I have another? Yeah. Um, no, you have to say, oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, good times. All right. Today, we are going to be talking about, from Season 6 of The Sopranos, Episode 11, Cold Stones. And our Mm. guest today, he is a stand-up comedian, he is an actor, and he is a genuine New Jersey Dago Wap Italian. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies ladies and gentlemen and everyone else, our guest today is Paul Palmieri. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me, you boys in matching maroon. (laughs) We are we love accidentally our matching. I think mine's I plum, but I'm also colorblind, so I don't feel that confident about it. Well, mine you did is... a great matching job for a colorblind dude. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. it was. It was. Uh, I'm gonna say it was on purpose because we like to uh, be professional and we have a business suit. That's right. And it is. Uh, I call it purple. Is it not purple? Uh, I don't. It's a type I'm of purple. I Maybe mean, I'm I don't colorblind, know. bro. Maybe we're the colorblind ones, and Vince can actually see colors. Could be. You know what's weird is to be both colorblind and racist. I bet that exists. <laughs> People are like, I'm. Co- I don't see color, but I don't like Italians. You know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I only see head shape and their propensity <laughs> yeah, for I, violence. I only. I only see skull measurements. Mm-hmm. Um. So Paul Palmieri, yes. mm-hmm. um, you are a genuine uh, New Jersey Italian. Uh, do you do you like The Sopranos? I love The Sopranos, man. Oh hell yeah! Is it um, is is it a show you grew up watching or? So it came out in '99 when I was a senior in high school, mm-hmm. um, living with my parents in New Jersey, and I didn't like I was I didn't understand why I would like I remember specifically being in a class and this girl I grew up with being like, "Did you watch that show last night?" And I like of course saw the the billboards and whatnot. And I just kind of remember being like, why we live here? Like, why on earth? (laughs) What are you talking about? You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, so I did not watch from the jump. And I only started watching, um, I want to say, my sophomore year in college when I was uh, not in New Jersey and I genuinely missed home. I just started watching it to be like, there's home. Um, And a lot of the locations and, and whatnot they used were, you know, like in this episode, the the mall that Tony's in, that's the Garden State Plaza. That's the mall we went to. Mm. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, and and this is part of, you know, why I do love the show is what what David Chase did is like, man, if you grew up there or if you were raised, you know, Catholic and a largely Italian family, it's like, dude, those parties like the, the you <laughs> know, after like Meadows graduation, mm. yeah. uh, Anthony's confirmation, it is like. It is spot on. Yeah. All of those, like that was like I remember watching it and being like, "This was my confirmation party." You know what I'm saying? Like, oh yeah, yeah, this for is sure. my graduation. You know. Um, so, so did you feel like um, the show accurately represented, um, you know, what it's like to be in the mafia? As someone who is Italian, I assume you are in the mafia. Um, yes. Um, <laughs> It's it's strange because the mafia has undergone so much like um, 
Like my grandfather hated this show. Oh. He hated the vulgarity. He hated the, you know, disrespect of women. Um, but this is also my grandfather who grew up around like real guys, guys that, yeah. you know, wore suits mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, uh, didn't, you know, it was, it was more like, it was more a gentlemanly type of criminal. Oh yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. These, uh, these guys, but, but certainly accurate of kind of the new age guy, um, where it kind of all became about like, you know, I think it all changed with like Gotti and that, that guy in Philly, I can't think of his name. Mm. Their whole thing was like, what's the point of being a gangster if no one knows? And it's like, well, right. the point is, is your life is pretty cool. You just don't get to talk about it. You know, right. you, you do hurt people and whatnot. Um, but yeah, you still get to hurt people. You just kind of do it quietly. Yeah. You know, you know so, so, uh, certainly, I mean, look, it's not hard to a lot of the stereotypes and whatnot, like Paulie's a perfect depiction of, you know, the over fastidious manicure getting, Yeah, you know, I still remember like some of my father's friends being like, this is the most masculine dude I met. He's going to the nail salon. And he's just like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he just didn't like, he's yeah. a garbage. No, I mean, I feel like and- there's like a long tradition where like being a fop was like the most hetero thing that you could do. And, mm-hmm. you know, and I think it, yeah, yeah that carries over it, from like the French restoration to like now kind of, you know, or maybe it goes further back than that. Maybe it was like Roman too. Cause I noticed that like a lot of the views on homosexuality in the show, uh, like kind of stem from like Roman views of homosexuality where it wasn't necessarily, it was like, nah, it's okay to be gay as long as you're getting your dick sucked and not doing the sucking, you know? Uh, and, and I almost felt like that was the reaction to Vito when they found out that he was the one who was the one sucking the security guards dick. That's when they were like, all right, it's official. This is gay. Look, you can't see it because it's out of frame, but that's actually above my garage is it's okay to be gay. (laughs) Oh, good. See? So I'm an ally in my You're an ally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Did you grow grow up with uh, like any of the AJs of the world? Uh, I was AJ. Oh, yeah. And that's why like watching the show. It's so interesting because I did a rewatch. So I watched it. You know, first, you know, probably 2002 was the first time. And then mm-hmm. I, you know, that was when I was on like VHS. That was like a Christmas gift to get. Mm-hmm. It was like season yeah. one on VHS. It was like nine tapes. Um, and that's the first time I watched it. I did a rewatch before I had kids. And then I rewatched uh, over the summer when um, I was in L.A. San's family. Uh, and man, it is a different show to watch as a parent. Yeah. Uh, than a child you know when i was watching it i was like he's kind of a punk but that was more like i don't like that guy because he reminds me of me right yeah uh, yeah <laughs> type stuff and there's a lot of aj in in this um episode that you know i identified with you know I, we'll get into it i don't want to jump ahead yeah. um but for sure i mean there's a ton of i mean a ton most, of aj's a ton, i mean we're all mama's boys it's you know, true. we're all like, you know, our moms coddle us and our dads are like, yeah, we wish we could have, you know, but it's like, yeah. you know, but, but ma, but ma, yeah. <laughs> you know, like a lot of that, 
you know, like I remember when when the show came out before I watched it, the the water gutters line killed. Um, <laughs> or when he says, what are those? And he's yeah. like, you're going to clean the gutter. He's like, what are those? Like, I remember a family friend being like, that reminded me so much of you. Because, you know, <laughs> all I all I would get is these chores. And I'd be like, where do I buy? Like, my dad would be like, you're going to mulch the the the, uh, you know, the, the trees or whatever outside in our yard. And I'd be like, well, where do I what do you mean mulch? And he was like, <laughs> yeah it's mulch. And I'd be like, well, I don't know where to buy it. And he was like, you go to the nursery. I'm giving you the money. Go ask, go to this place and say, I need mulch and they'll take care of it. And I was just like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle that. Dude. <laughs> Tony's reaction to uh, AJ not knowing what gutters are was the best. Cause he's like, He's like, I don't know whether to hit him. I don't know if he's if he's telling the truth or if he honestly doesn't know what gutters are. Like, I don't know if this is his failure or mine. It reminds me of uh, yeah. It reminds me of my favorite scene in Bad Santa where he's like driving along and and the kids like drop me on my head and he's just finally he just snaps like, Are you fucking with me, kid? What the yeah? yeah. <laughs> How can you drop me on my own head? Yeah. <laughs> That's like Tony's reaction. He's like, Are are you fucking with me right now? Like, you don't know what gutters are? Okay. Yeah, I think that is the big thing um, with the AJ and Tony relationship is that AJ is this obvious reflection of Tony as a failure as a dad Mm -hmm. and a failure in ways that like aren't even fair to himself because like in, in all the ways that like AJ sucks, he still can't take comfort in the fact that AJ at least isn't like a fucking murdering douchebag the way he and all of his friends are like for him. He's like, well, I'd rather he be a strong man. And, uh, but I, I never wanted to teach him how to do that. So, uh, you know, yeah, dude. And like a lot of, and you see it in this episode where like there, and there's a part in the opening scene. I can't remember what AJ says, but like a lot of Tony's disdain for AJ, like, in the midst of like overall he's disgusted but Mm -hmm. along the lines there's moments where he's like all right like he's kind of proud of like his like yeah the angles he takes on certain things Mm -hmm. you know where he's just like you know and and you see it like i see it in my kids where it's just like they're being unreasonable but something they say you're like all right good like that's gonna come in in handy down the line that's gonna get you out of some trouble the fact that you can spin this that way you know yeah future lawyer but uh, this isn't a show about lawyers i don't know that was a that was a poor segue no this is a show about the sopranos and we cannot start the podcast without first hearing the theme song pod 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 Podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen and everyone else. Once again, we are going to be talking about from season six of The Sopranos, episode 11, Cold Stones, which uh, premiered on May 21st, 2006. Vince, break us off a little piece of that synopsis. Hold on. I'm fixing the stain I got on my new shirt. Uh... No, yeah. Fix that stain. That's more important. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) 
Uh, okay, synopsis. Phil takes out his revenge on Vito, while Tony grows frustrated with Anthony Jr.'s lack of ambition or work ethic. Yeah, um, and also uh, an entire storyline they're forgetting. Uh, Roe and Carm go to France. Yeah, I think you'd put so, that in there. I but love hey. these synopses because it's very clear. It, it, it almost is just such a reflection of David Chase being like, I don't know, man, this is sort of what happens. Yeah. Like just... <laughs> Like the one you did with um, with Kyle Ayers, that synopsis was so just like, yeah, figure it out, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Just, just man, yeah, there's like, Italians, they're it. doing, you know, they do stuff. gangster stuff and there's a mom. Oh, nah. yeah, a bunch of Gavones are eating red sauce and saying <laughs> gabagool. What do you want from me? That's, uh, yeah, that's every synopsis. And so, Vince, what was happening at the time that this episode came out? Yeah, Matt, I think what you're really trying to say is that we cannot evaluate the... Blah, 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 blah. the, the art, we can't uh, do art, art, the art con- context. Context, I put the context back in with the remember when machine. What? What? Remember, remember when is the lowest form of conversation. That's right. We're going all the way back to May 21st, 2006. So many exciting things uh, were happening. So uh, Barry Bonds had just hit his 714th career home run, tying Hell Babe Ruth's yeah. record. Uh, Good That's f- amazing. Good for him, good man. Good for him. I, I, I'm sure this is a record that will stand the test of time that no one will ever question. As uh, as a Giants fan, I think Barry Bonds did nothing wrong, and uh, he should mm-hmm. be celebrated for how well, uh, how much better he did steroids than everybody else. Um, I, I actually, I somewhat agree with that. I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, I'm not a Giants fan, but I do believe that, like, hey, they're all doing steroids. Yes. Barry Bonds was the best at it. What are we doing? Hundred percent, dude. He was the best at it, and it's also like, hats off. He did steroids and then got so much. It's not like he did steroids and his numbers went up a little bit. Like he did steroids. <laughs> yes. and was Like watch this. Yeah. yeah. Hit eight hundred home runs. It's like, all right, man. Hats off. Yeah. You know what yeah. I'm saying? I mean, here's the thing. I could take steroids for years, and I still wouldn't be able to hit a ball also it's not like 90 the pitchers, miles per hour the pitchers were taking steroids too it's not like he was just out there picking mm-hmm. on a bunch of like weak punks like everybody was right. doing it yeah it's weird because it's like uh i don't know man there's there was something about the barry bonds being the focal point of all of the like steroid hatred because like people did it with like you know mark mcguire and stuff a little bit too but with barry bonds it was like hey hey, 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 hey. we're all cheating here but you can't be the best at like people yeah. got just mad. Well, that I think the, the whole problem is that baseball fans are all like closeted, like historical reenactors a little bit. Like yes. the whole thing with baseball is like every baseball athlete does the drugs that are available to him in his time, right. which has held true since the very beginning. Like in the sixties, they were taking greenies and you know, everybody's taking speed, speed pills and all this shit. Like everybody yeah, took all Babe the drugs. Ruth was always. taking laudanum or whatever, yeah. you know, I, I don't know. <laughs> Like, come on. 100% would have taken steroids. Yeah, it's like when they banned greenies, prescriptions for Adderall went up like 92%. <laughs> yeah, right. Major League Baseball. Yeah, and who cares? They're doing it, uh, you know, they're doing it because they want to be good at the sport, and that's good. They're good good yeah. for them. Our, our benefit, and we'll take it. That's what I'm saying. If all football players took pills that made them have super strength and 
made it so that they didn't get CTE, I'd be like, cool, do it. Yeah. What are we doing? Trying to like, no, it's just got to be natural. We got to watch you die. No, fuck that. <laughs> Live I, and get strong. I have a personal connection to Barry Bonds' success because uh, my uncle was in a band with uh, Victor Conti, the guy who ran like the lab where... No, uh, he was in Conti's band, bro. Him and Victor Conti were in a band together in high school. And then uh, Victor Conti, uh, you know, went on to give Barry Bonds all his drugs. So Yeah, what yeah. a pivot. Yeah. <laughs> it's a hell of a pivot. <laughs> uh, other things that were happening. Uh, I, got a, I got a timely Lindsay Lohan story. Remember her? Oh, hell yeah. Oh, this is from the New York Post. Lindsay on the bubble. Hollywood insiders are beginning to wonder if Tinseltown's tabloid teenager, Lindsay Lohan, will ever be a bankable star. The soon-to-turn-twenty actress, holy shit, uh, Jesus. whose penchant for getting herself in the tabloid mags has not helped bring fans to the theater, is currently languishing in her la- latest role, Just My Luck, producing a disappointing $5.7 million opening weekend. That follows Herbie Fully Loaded, another Lohan vehicle, which rang up a paltry $66 million in ticket sales and was widely considered to be a bust for Disney. Uh, and based on last week's numbers, Just My Luck will be hard-pressed pre- to match the $29 million Lohan helped generate as the lead in Confessions of a Teenage Drama Queen. Mm. Uh, yeah. Well, the qu- you know... Yeah. We're all hoping the best for Lindsay. I think she's back now, right? Didn't she like... Uh, she married she, a Middle Eastern millionaire or something? Or maybe it's Russian. Yeah. Can't remember. I, I did love watching... Like, there's something about Lindsay Lohan in Dubai that I'm just like, yeah, I'd watch this show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, Lindsay in Dubai. Something... I'd watch that over Emily in Paris any damn day oh, of the any week. Any day. Any day. Yeah. Yeah. But... Um, Damn, she was 19? Wait, when did Mean Girls come out? Because I felt like that was when she really... Only liked... one of the six films in which Lohan has appeared broke through the $100 million barrier. Uh, Freaky Friday, which starred her in a secondary role to Jamie Lee Curtis. Her second highest grossing film, Mean Girls, at $86 million, was an ensemble cast. Yeah, yeah. but she, cr- yeah, she crushed also, it in that. Also, she's 19, and they were like, the last three movies she starred in were flops and it's like, or a 19 year old starred in three movies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's another thing. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's like these tabloid, the people who write these things are just waiting to destroy these women's lives. Women. <laughs> but, She's like, that's a girl, bro. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's like literally a teenager. And it's like, this bitch can't even have three yeah. hits in a row. I get, I get so annoyed. <laughs> you with, fat teen bitch. Oh, I hate you. You I, make me horny. I get so annoyed with the like revisionist history uh, mm. apparatus where like we all have to fake self flagellate for being mean to Britney. And it was like, oh, yeah. like I, I was not part of her uh, team shoving her down the throats of everyone for 10 years so like i'm sorry if i don't feel personally responsible for there is something about like lowering uh a a team of people lowering britney's fears into a snake pit and then 20 years later we're like man those snakes were mean yeah and i was just like (laughs) what (laughs) yeah yeah it's also like not everyone has everything to do with everything right right like Yeah, I didn't have any part of that. So I don't, yeah, have, yeah. I don't then, have any feelings about it. And then they're doing the whole thing where they're like, we got to reform the uh, what is it, what, the the conservatorship rules and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, because of Britney Spears. 
Mm. And I'm like, I don't know. I feel like this was a pretty unique situation here. And I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure that I we mean, need to make it harder for uh, people that have lost their minds to be taken care of. But uh, I mean, my whole thing is like, I have no interest in uh, finding out about it one way or the other. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I'm not like really invested in what the conservatorship uh, thing is. Uh, it does sound very specifically unique. Like there's this thing where you can. Uh, <laughs> I'm not either. I just if you. I don't find if Brittany. you call your celebrity daughter crazy, then you can take all their money. And it's like, yeah, man, that's it. Sounds fucked up. I don't know <laughs> yeah. if I'll ever be in that position. I, so I just not. don't feel like Britney is like a a very uh, useful frame uh, of of reference for like what we should do about larger society. Like I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's not like a, every issue needs to be like. There's. There's specifics to each case it's not just like this thing went wrong this one time this is the way to fix it it's like right yeah. and not everything not not every cause needs a sign yeah. you know <laughs> like uh or uh, we don't always need to march like something i don't know man but hey you know if if that if that's your thing for britney then all mm-hmm. good in the hood i do love i will say um jamie lynn spears do, being interviewed um and kind of like you know crying about like her sister or whatnot and then everyone bullying her (laughs) (laughs) and being like and britney going like unleashing hell on on her own sister and everyone's like yeah get that bitch get that bitch (laughs) and i was just like wow it's uh it's almost like you guys still love blood (laughs) right yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) Uh, we also, uh, this is another big week in 2006, because you know what? We got a Thomas Friedman editorial. Uh, oh, great, sign, dude. Sign of the times. You know, this was a a uh, very anachronistic, the days when mm-hmm. Tom Friedman would write columns, because, of course, he was uh, fired for always being wrong. I'm kidding, of course. He still writes yeah, editorials. He's still writing them. <laughs> for, nobody knows why, but he, they yeah. let him do it. Uh Standing by Stand Up Iraqis by Tom Friedman for the New York Times. I am often asked why I don't just give up on Iraq and pronounce it a lost cause. It would certainly make my job and marriage easier. (laughs) So far, so good. I love that he's losing his wife over the fact that he's like, we're going to find the WMDs. Yeah. What holds me back are scenes like the one related in last Sunday's time story from Baghdad about the Iraqi parliament's vote to approve the country's new cabinet. Yeah, what holds me back are um, the CIA psyops that I've been spoon feeding (laughs) to myself and my readers. As long as I see Iraqis ready to take a stand like that, I think we have to stand with them. When we don't Mm -hmm. see Iraqis taking the risk to build a progressive Iraq, then it is indeed time to pack and go. That moment may come soon. It's hard to tell. I won't hesitate to say so, but not yet. <laughs> what a sentence. <laughs> it's like he gets paid by the word. It's insane. Uh, in yeah. such confusing times, I find it useful to listen to someone steeped in the history of the Arab world. Someone like the Egyptian sociologist and democracy campaigner, Saad Eden Ibrahim, who was visiting mm-hmm. Washington, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Mr. Ibrahim compares the U.S. invasion of Iraq to Napoleon's invasion of Egypt in 1798 which mm-hmm. punched the first big hole through which modernity could seep into the Arab world. Wow. <laughs> Are you fucking kidding me? They just need a big hole, and then in, in goes all the progressive stuff. That's mm-hmm. great. Uh, Th- yeah. that, is, that is truly amazing that there were like 
thank God for Napoleon, like <laughs> going into Egypt and giving them the fucking uh, Napoleonic code and then having to flee because they ended up completely losing this, th that entire thing. He absolutely left after he had to, he didn't they lose? That was the one time. I don't remember that. Literally the one time before Waterloo that Napoleon lost, but go on. <laughs> what you are seeing in Iraq today is the hard labor of nation building in a country that has gone through almost 50 years of tyrannical rule. Mr. Ibrahim said, uh, it is a naturally messier process, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then and then he wraps it up. Thanks to the incredible sacrifices of U.S. and British soldiers, Iraqi elections have been held, a parliament convened. The process is indeed messy, and given all the shameful mistakes by the Bush team, much deadlier than it had to be. But Mr. Ibrahim, who spent blah 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 in Egyptian prison, uh, is no starry-eyed dreamer, and he believes there's a decent chance that in a few years Iraq will make its transition, build up an army, and settle down. Oh, yeah. Well, he was right. Yep. It all worked out. There's one thing we know about Iraq is nothing happened after the invasion except for years of peace. They have yes. democracy. The Everything's word, great. The word uh -huh. settled is very aptly used here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, top movies in the country. Uh, the Da Vinci Code, first weekend, uh, oh. 77 million. <laughs> Over the Hedge, uh, Mission Impossible 3, Poseidon and RV. Oh, yeah. Top, yeah. Oh, top pop song stuff. in the country is still SOS by Rihanna. And the top rock song is Danny California by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Oh. What a gotta, gotta go to California. Um, hell yeah. Yeah, so that's been that the remember. Is, yeah, there you go. That's what's been going on at the time of the episode. Uh, now it's time for the Bada B stories. And this week, oh, man, is this a good one. I absolutely have recorded it already and i'm going to play it for you guys now and let me tell you i've definitely figured out which song i'm gonna do so um it's a it's a great song mm. and now i'm gonna play a snippet wow wasn't that good guys oh my gosh Man. that's your best one yet so good. I, I it was a great song by, you know, whatever guy or girl I decided on <laughs> who did that song. So anyways, you can hear the whole song uh, at the end of the episode. And uh, I, I, I hope you do because I'm I'm positive it'll be good, I think. All right. So now let's get into the episode. Um, Vince, general thoughts on this episode. Um, I thought the last one was, I mean, if we're using sports metaphors, last episode, sort of a rebuilding episode. Uh, sure. And then this uh, episode I thought was very strong, um, very compelling all the way through. It's very, uh, it's got a central theme, which I think we've talked about since mm -hmm. the beginning of the show is just uh, Tony trying to live in the contradiction uh, between trying to live uh, according to like two time periods, moral codes, like he's trying to be in the mafia, which is like the moral code of like the fifties or earlier, but also uh, raise a child in 2006. And yeah. uh, you know, he's having trouble reconciling those. And, and they, uh, they, they took that even further by having Carmela sort of experience history. And, yeah. Uh, you know, good, solid episode. Solid. Yeah. What about, uh, what about you, Paul? Did you like this episode? I love this episode. Nice. Um, for reasons, you know, the show to me is so great because it has so many um, 
<clears throat> like you kind of got the best uh like Carm is kind of best when she's not with Tony. Mm-hmm. Tony's kind of the best when Carm isn't around. Yeah. And you also kind of get to see that side of Tony where she's like, I think I want to take that trip to Paris. And he like doesn't want to overplay his hand and be like, yeah, good. Get the fuck out of here. Like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but like that's so Tony is to be like, you know what? You should go. Like, I'm such a good guy. I'm telling yeah. you, you go. Um, and then yeah. you have a lot of Tony AJ stuff, which like, you know, now watching, I said in the open is so much more impactful because, you know, like you said, Vince, it's like he's juggling these two he, he's he's juggling these two roles but also like you know in the younger in the earlier episode or seasons of the show it's like he was doing that thing that so many fathers do gangster no gangster where it's just like well i got i'm the dad i gotta work i gotta be away from these kids and then you come home one day and they're 11 and you're like what don't you know how to do and it's like <laughs> all the stuff that you weren't around to show me please don't be mad at me um <laughs> You have Meadow dropping that bomb. Like, that's just like peak Meadow is just being like, hey, uh, I'm doing this thing. Mm -hmm. It's all going to be okay. You know? Yeah. Carmella Uh, being like, but aren't you and Finn fighting? And she's like, what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah, You have those two. You have those two Carmella turning the light on in bed or like, you know, Carmella is best when she's like, can't sleep. You know, because yes. that's yeah. like ironically the one thing Tony can always do is sleep. Yeah. sleep. That's that's you his know? whole thing. He can sleep. Um, he can sleep at night despite all of the terrible shit he's done. Yeah. So I don't know. I I just loved it. Um, yeah. So I I thought from from top to bottom it was it was kind of a perfect episode. Yeah. Um, I I really loved this episode. Um, and for all the reasons you guys said, uh, I, I completely agree with. But one of the things that I think absolutely stands out in this episode, and in a way that it didn't before, because I remember disliking this episode or almost dreading getting to this one, um, because I was just like, ah, oh, this is the one where they just, Carm and Roe are just in Paris, like just gallivanting boringly. And upon rewatching it, I realized I could watch an entire series of Rosalie in Paris. That is mm-hmm. maybe my favorite thing in this episode. I think you mean Rosalie in Paris. Yeah, Ooh. Rosalie. Yeah. Yes. It's uh, Rosalie. Uh, and I think you mean Rosalie on Paris. <laughs> yeah. Well, Netflix made sure to clarify that Emily in Paris was supposed to rhyme. Oh, is that what they were? Because oh, this, oh man, I hate oh, it. And now all us more. dumb idiots were like, "You seen this Paris show? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's, it sucks." See, this it's it, look. So one of the reasons I love Rosalie in Perry is that she she ends up keeping it real the entire time. Like she plays up the annoying stereotype of the trashy American in Paris. Um, kind of just like, you know, she's, she's mostly like, she starts off talking about how she can't take a shit. Uh, she's mostly excited that, uh, she gets to smoke wherever she wants. She's mispronouncing things. She's fucking, she's not really there to appreciate the history. She just wants to go shopping. But like, as you by the way, I also get plugged up when I travel. I I totally related to her comment about, (laughs) oh yeah, who doesn't? Uh, but as, as if you compare it to the way that Carmela is experiencing Paris, you realize at the end, like I fucking like the the way Rosalie chooses to live is just 
so much it's just more superior mm -hmm. it's just it's a better it makes me love americans and foreign countries which is not something i ever expect to enjoy i just i love how trashy she is and, yeah, and i could watch it forever and her you know seeing her with carmela so much in this episode is like it really makes you think how much more rosalie is suited to be married to a man like tony oh yeah a woman yes like when she brings up she's like you know i saw you lighting the candles and rosalie's strictly just like it's sad he's not yeah. was here <laughs> yeah. and yeah. now he's not here and i'm in paris <laughs> and you're making me sad like i would like tony and rosalie out to dinner is like something i would want to see because it's just yes. like, how was your day like what if uh, those guys <laughs> my day was you know what i mean she's an expert Honest. compartmentalizer she's like yes. got a black belt in yes it. yes just Rosalie and Tony fucking on a bed of red sauce is <laughs> something we all would love to she see. She also is, uh, she's doing as the locals do way more than Karma is. Because first of all, yes. she has the same voice as every French woman over 45, which is yeah. like that. I just, I've been gargling uh, glass shards for the last 10 years mm -hmm. and now I have this awesome voice. Uh and she's not, you know, she doesn't care about doing the touristy stuff that I'm sure everyone in Paris is like, yeah, we walk by that every day. It's not really. Right. Yeah. She's doing what all the Parisians want to do, which is fucking go shopping yeah. and, and like all, and, eat and good I, food and fuck. And I love how when she, after she gets that dude's number, she's like, he lives in Belleville. They got a Belleville here. that like blows her mind. You know what I mean? Like that's such a stereotypical, like, you know, dumb idiot from New Jersey would be like, you got a Belleville here? Hey, Tony, oh. I believe this. They got an old Jersey over here. It's crazy. <laughs> it's like it's been here forever. Do you, uh, think, actually, do you think our Belleville got it from there? Like <laughs> that's like a profound thought. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so it's funny that with this whole storyline, like, as they were first coming into into Paris, like they they both clearly had these like romantic notions of mm -hmm. what Paris is going to be like, and uh, you know, and that's that's one of the reasons I've never gone there, just because I feel like it's been depicted so many times that it it can't yeah. it can't be anything but a letdown at this point. So I was sort right. of expecting a trip, sort of like Polly's trip to Italy, where he's kind of right. disappointed by it, like he wants to have this enriching experience, but he can't because he's too much of a jersey moron but uh mm -hmm. they kind of went a different way with it which i appreciated like they didn't really they didn't pick any sort of stereotypical storylines uh right to use no and that and that was you know and that's <clears throat> credit to Edie falco because it's like she like with no words just kills her entire time in paris like when she first is looking around and she's like you know oh my god like right who could have built this like, but I mean, it, I, totally. Uh, but what I love is that for every who could have built this with Carm, there is an equal and opposite row talking about doo doo. That she and, lost her glove. Uh, yeah, yeah, or lost a glove. Like, and I have a, a clip of them uh, entering France um, while while Carm is just looking out the window and seeing everything, and French rap is playing. Yeah. <laughs> Your bowels just jam up when you fly. <laughs> the idea of like just having this voice 
constantly in your ear as you're trying to enjoy <laughs> enjoy this beautiful romantic trip. Oh, just Ro talking about doo-doo. Yeah, all I mean, day. also, what a baller way to, like, I mean, imagine writing that scene, like, all right, Carmen Ro just landed in Paris. How do we... Mm -hmm. How do we land this? Mm -hmm. um, do French your right. bowels just lock up <laughs> and be like, that's it. That's the perfect way. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, I love it so much. And and I also, you know, I, I do love that they are having two separate emotional experiences and you end up kind of making <clears throat> like a value judgment on it because you go into it thinking like Carm is actually enriching herself on this trip. She is enjoying the history. She's enjoying, um, you know, the romance of the city. She's seeing how beautiful the architecture is. And Roe is just being a typical pig American. But then as it goes on, you just realize that like Roe is the one who is going to leave this trip and be like, that was wonderful. And Carm is going to leave it and be like, it was bittersweet. So who's... Yeah. Whose emotional state do you like? How do you really want to experience this country? And I think Roe is got the correct way of living. Yeah, um, and that's also Carmela in a nutshell. Is like everything she, you know. She likes to come off as this selfless mm -hmm. mother and caregiver and yada yada. But it's like she's also incredibly self-centered. Uh, yes, and, and you see that with all of these things are like, you know, it all gets washed away. Like what's going to happen to me? And a woman had this necklace. She was probably married. She probably had right. a woman just like us probably wore. Yeah. It. Yeah. It's yeah. Like, or like that you can look at that and be like, wow, what a beautiful necklace. Someone built this without any modern technology or tools or be mm -hmm. like someone like me, like someone yeah. with a lot of money and yeah. my, uh, uh, the taste for the finer things probably also wore this. Yeah. You know no, that saying? was probably like a, uh, someone in the Royal family, Carm, not the wife of a mobster. Uh, well, <laughs> you know, sure. But, but we that's our different definitions of Royal. Vince. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. She is Jersey royalty. Um, so yeah, if we're, let's start with this storyline. Um, first I love, uh, the opening scene. Um, yes. cause it's, uh, it, you got, Carmela just berating AJ, berating him for losing his job at Blockbuster. And and AJ is doing like the classic, the classic Sopranos move of, and I say Sopranos meaning the family Sopranos move mm -hmm. of trying to spin every shitty decision or every grift or, you know, every failure as somehow being like, um, a positive for the like it's a she, he has a, a janice moment where he blames the environment uh and i have a clip of that i found out that our son the liar had been fired three weeks ago from blockbuster how the fuck you do that they got reese's monkeys working as managers over there <laughs> he was taking promotional items and selling them movie posters stand-ups standees but this whole thing's bullshit most of that stuff gets thrown out anyway the store's policy was very clear yeah, well, maybe I care about the environment. Or did that ever occur to you? Just like the idea that he would do this because recycling is, <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's great because like you realize how how much Janice is actually kind of good at using this kind of logic, or Meadow is kind of good at using you know liberal logic in order to to justify these things, but AJ is <laughs> just 
so stupid. Yeah. yeah. He's just like, maybe it, I'll get out of this this way. So there's a couple things I love about this scene. You know, A, it's the opening scene, but it starts with the door closing and Tony mm. walking in and almost the setting is like, Carmela's laying into him, but they're also in the room that nobody sits in, which yes. like, everyone in Jersey has is like, what's that room? It's like, that's the room you get yelled at in. Yeah, you know, yeah. That's, when, like, that's when you do something serious, your mom sits you in this room and you're like, oh, yeah. fuck. Yeah. Um, and that the, 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 the look that I alluded to earlier was Tony being proud that AJ was selling Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, would be known as garbage. Like he's like he gives this little look where it, they don't show that anyone sees it, but he's like, oh, I mean, yeah. Throw it I out, mean, Tony's money off it. Entire existence is is like trying to find an angle and uh, yeah. and use it to like chisel away some extra dollars in any situation. Uh, I mean, literally, AJ seemed like he did a pri- If he wasn't such a dumbass, he probably would have gotten away with it, and uh, everything would have been fine. Literally. Tony's job is one man's trash is another man's treasure. Yeah. And and so Tony is in some way like, hey, we kind of are on the same grift here in one way. But uh, yeah, I, I do but think also, he, Tony, yeah. Has, Tony has a moment too where he's, you know, he's saying, you know, you got fired. Uh, it, Tony's basically saying, I don't think it was that. It was all the days you came in late. Right. It was all the days, you know. So I love seeing that side of Tony, which is just like, Hey, I might be a gangster, but I also kind of know like the right way to do a job. Like, yeah, like, right. You can be a, but you also have to you have to carry your shit over here. Hey, yeah. Hey, that's a cute kid. <laughs> Thanks, I mean, dude. I think it's like a twist on like the classic uh, thing as a parent is that your children are gonna mimic mim- mirror all of your worst qualities and force you to like have to deal with them externally every day. And mm-hmm. uh, like Tony and AJ, it's that, but it's also, it's also things that Tony wants AJ not to do. But like he doesn't think of himself as being bad for like doing grifts and being a gangster. But he, they've spent their whole time as parents trying to uh, make AJ not do that. And so when he just mm-hmm. like does it naturally, it's like this weird conflicted reaction. Because it's like right. AJ's mirroring his not worst qualities, but like maybe some good qualities. But he doesn't know how to like. It would require introspection uh, to right. yell at him for those things. Yeah, and and I feel like what what Tony hates about AJ, um, he always kind of like brings it back to this idea of masculinity that he that tony has like that that is what he chooses to hate he doesn't necessarily hate you know uh, that he's fucking doing a small business on the side selling like herbie fully loaded posters or whatever like he's yeah he's almost mad that like you you had a good thing going and you couldn't think to show up to all your shifts in order to keep it going yeah, like, and, which would be like the smart thing to do, right? And, and the fact that, like, you know, getting fired from Blockbuster, like, how much of a fucking dumbass do you have to be? And what really sets him over the edge <laughs> with AJ is one of my favorite, maybe the most relatable AJ scene in the series. Fucking Tony comes home and just sees AJ in his underwear laughing on the internet (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> I mean, it's it's so relatable. I if the look I on Tony's face is it's just abject failure yeah. as a father. Just I can't believe the type of son that I have raised. Right. I mean, is, they, but yeah. he also did nothing to raise him. Right. Of course. Well, they did so, the wrong like, things, which is like they, when he got in trouble, they sent him to uh, like a rich private school. So now all his friends are uh, spoiled ass uh, shitheads, mm-hmm. and he's managed to get all of that, but like not, but without having uh, any of the things that allow those kids to like get away with those things. Like they, right. yeah, yeah. He it, he just it, got it's... the bad. He he got the bad parts. Of being Tony's son and the bad parts of uh, being surrounded by asshole rich kids all the time. Yeah. Well, yeah. those are the kids with the real problems. I remember all the kids, like, you know, mm-hmm. I went to public school and it was like my sister and brother went to a private school and it was like, oh, so and so's in rehab, so and so. And I was mm-hmm. like, for what? And they were like, oh, <laughs> cocaine. And I was like, what? Like, <laughs> he can afford you... cocaine that often? Yeah. Like, <laughs> how do you, what are you talking about? Like, it, it's so funny the world building that they do in this show uh, around private school kids that like at that moment when he is uh, Tony is yelling at AJ um, about, you know, like Tony and Karma yelling at AJ about getting fired from Blockbuster and AJ is explaining that he needs money um, in order to pay for Cristal at a $500 a bottle, two bottle minimum. And then he mentions like sometimes Hernan pays uh, and Tony goes, oh, well, what about that girl that he paralyzed in the car accident? Is she is she coming to like that? That is the exact type of shit that would happen to rich kids. Oh, I, I would yeah. all yes. they always paralyze someone in a car accident. I swear to God. It's yeah. just like it's part of it's a rite of passage as a ridge private school kid to have at least one friend who has murdered someone with v- a vehicular manslaughter yeah. well it's just like there's so many levels of the generation gap thing that's happening here which is that like mm-hmm. uh aj is they he reveals that he's spending you know a grand on champagne at, at at clubs in new york which of course his parents are like baffled and want to murder him uh mm-hmm. but like on another level like spending beyond your means is probably something that Tony's been doing since he was 17, yes. but he's just, yeah, right. his son just happens to exist in a completely different league uh, of mm-hmm. it than Tony did. And Tony's sort of <clears throat> responsible for putting him in that league. So it's like, this, right. Yeah. It's also my second favorite. How do you, that Tony delivers in that room, which the first would being, how do you vandalize a swimming pool? <laughs> and then being, how, how do you get fired from Blockbuster? Like these things genuinely, like he, these no, are genuine questions where he's just like, like he's literally how do you on get fired from Blockbuster. He's literally <laughs> on wiki. How learning <laughs> yeah. the mechanics of possibly getting fired from a Blockbuster or breaking into a swimming pool. Um, so yeah. Uh, after the whole AJ scene, Karm is sitting around worried, you know, about AJ having like a cold streak and doesn't care about not working at Blockbuster anymore. Um, and that's when Meadow comes in and tells them that uh, she's going to move to California for a bit to be with Finn, who, um, you know, who, of course, uh, just an episode earlier, she was, you know, crying to Tony about the fact that they weren't getting along. So it's like, uh, 
you know, uh, I, I feel for Carm in this situation where she is realizing that she just has no control over her family anymore and that she, you know. Uh, and they her, both suck. Her, and they both suck in different ways. Yeah. You know, they're both they're both selfish children to uh, to Carmela. So and I think just, I think yeah. the smart thing they did in this scene too is they cut to AJ listening in when Meadows like I don't know if I want to go to law school I don't want right. to go to med school and AJ just drops his head and it's like as the youngest in my family that always felt like my older siblings had their shit together mm-hmm. spoiler I did not have my shit together when I was younger like right. you hear these conversations and you're just like oh, I want to be a real person one day and you're just like. <laughs> you're just bummed about your own suckitude. And it's just like, of course they showed AJ, like AJ's not like, Hey, what are they talking about? She's like, I'm moving to California. And he's like, oh, I'm going to miss my sister. Like, he's just like, Oh gosh, he's talking about law school. Like, yeah. Yeah. She's got all these options. It. I just got fired from blockbuster, blockbuster. from, from <laughs> yeah. selling a standee. Yeah. Yeah. It but is. Really, they just, they exist on different planes of directionlessness because like Meadow yeah. has no just, idea Meadow's what she's doing. a better saleswoman. Yeah. She doesn't know what she's doing with her life yeah. either, but she had the fortune of being able to like, at least good, get good grades along the way. But like, right. That's just, which is part of Tony's frustration with AJ is like, look, Meadow can do whatever she wants. Cause she got grades. Yeah. And she mm-hmm. like has her shit together in that way where I can't really, you know what I mean? Like an AJ is just like, I'm just going to do none of the stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then, it's kind of crazy to me too, uh, because this, the way that Tony uh, reacts at the end of the episode is something that it's almost like I was expecting earlier. Because AJ has some balls at this point in the season. Yeah, he has already almost been caught yeah. and tried for attempted murder of <laughs> yeah of fucking Junior Soprano, and he's still being a cunt to his dad. Like, he's still, like, talking back and being like, oh, I should care about Blockbuster. It's like, You can't even talk to her. Yeah, you can't even talk to her. (laughs) It Just, like, at this point, you're surprised that there hasn't been a blow-up. And what I love about just kind of to round out the AJ storyline, finally, Tony has this blow-up. And, uh... And basically um, forces AJ uh, to take a job in construction. And uh, yeah, he did gives- what he should have been doing this whole time, which was to like introduce him to introduce AJ to a life that doesn't require studying or right uh, yes. or, or, or like you know being good at uh, like traditional upwardly mobile middle class things because AJ is terrible I, at all those. And I think it's important to point out that. Uh, Tony comes to this. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. 
Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Carmel is not in the country. Right. So he's finally able to just be like, and he does it after, I don't want to spoil the rest of the episode, but oh, after fine. an uncontrollable situation, he's just on the drive home after he shows up to Satrials and, and Dom, he sees Dom. Right. He's just like, let me do something I can handle. Like I <laughs> right. need to restore peace in my mind. Yeah. I think it's because um, he sees what happens. <clears throat> he sees what happens to dumbasses. Like he knows... You know, Fat Dom was murdered because he was being a dumbass. He was, right. being, right. and and he's like, I just, I can't have this like fucking jackass son. He needs to learn how to be responsible and yeah. not impulsive. And uh, and yeah, so I have a clip of of uh, that scene. You're gonna be working construction. What? Firing cement in a wheelbarrow. So it's outdoors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's winter time. You got a lot of those hooded sweatshirts. Like the Moulinians wear that you watch on MTV? Look, I'm just gonna have to leave your friend in the lurch when I go back to school. That's okay, he deals with that all the time. I'd just as soon keep searching online. I'm sure you would. But if you're not at that site tomorrow morning, I'm gonna take away your car. And then I'm gonna take away your clothes. And then I'm gonna take away your room, and I'm gonna take away your mother's cooking, and pretty soon you're gonna be out in the fucking street. <sighs> Just smashing the windshield of the car that he bought him just to force him to take the bus to his construction job. Oh, is I don't like, think I don't think there was foresight there. I think that was. Just, oh, no. Oh, no. I like I think. See, no. like Tony has has this mo- momentary uh, 
laps into good parenting right there where he's like saying he's he's giving uh aj the tools to do something better and and laying the ground rules for like what he has to do but he's it's like when your dog takes a shit on the carpet like Mm -hmm. you want to rub the dog's nose in the shit because it makes you feel better to punish the dog for like doing something bad but that doesn't Mm -hmm. actually help the dog all that does is like train the dog to like shit behind uh, behind the the sofa or whatever, so right. that you don't find it. So like, there's this, uh, there's always <laughs> the difference between uh, like something constructive that you can do to improve the situation, but you also need this like emotional release uh, right. to have this yeah. like temper tantrum. So Tony did all the right things, but he still has all this like pent up rage that he needs to get out somehow. Right. So after he's just yeah. told his kid like you got to go to the construction site at seven in the morning, and then he's like, also I'm gonna smash your fucking windshield and make that harder for you for some reason right. but solo be, solely because he needs to have that like temper, temper tantrum and release that yeah because because he had such restraint when you know tony reacting the way like, well you know i'm just gonna leave him in lurch trap after i go back to school like him being like that's fine he yeah. deals with that all the time like, <laughs> right yeah so don't ever see him take that second step of being like i had a feeling you were gonna say this Right. It's like it's OK. And like he, he he's pushed to the edge again when he's like, I'm just I, I'm just going to keep looking on. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm just better off looking on like, yeah, I'm sure you would like that's yeah. like him at his breaking point. Yeah. And then right. as Vince said, he snaps and smashes his windshield. He manages to not take the bait throughout that entire yes. conversation. But then yeah. he's, he's still Tony at the end of it. He can't help. it. Right. As soon as he gives him the ultimatum and he sees him kind of like snidely just going, and then you're going to take away that. And then you're going to yeah. take away that. And he's just <laughs> yeah. like, oh, okay, I'm doing violence. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so that is, that wraps up the AJ storyline. I have uh, a question about AJ though. Him. Like, yes. do you think AJ would be better off in life at this stage of his life? If instead of, sending him to like the soft private school if they'd have just like sent him to a trade school or something like if he'd learned i don't know like if they'd sent him to learn to be an electrician like would hit would his social circle uh have evened him out like would would learning Honest to become useful less, at a thing like giving him he'd some be spending less money he'd be spending less because he wouldn't have people he's going to new york to do like fucking crystal clubs with uh, yes. at the frequency he's doing them he'd have yeah. some other dumbasses from trade school that he would get into like petty shit with possibly more criminal stuff. I don't think that, I think that someone like AJ, a character like AJ, and this might be me projecting myself onto him. Like Mm -hmm. when you are surrounded, you know, your father seems successful, you know, your mother's your mother, um, your sister's successful. All your friends are like able to get away with more. Like when Mm -hmm. someone sits you down and is like, you don't need like to be good at the things you feel you're bad at in order to be like a successful adult. Right. Mm -hmm. That is like eye opening because the only thing you see when you're a kid is like, I don't know how to do school. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to, I I can't hold all these jobs are uninteresting. Like you don't know, like, Hey, you can just go like work in a restaurant and one day you'll be super good at like, yeah, being you'll be the food and bev manager. Yeah. Like you don't know that that's an option. It's just like the, especially in that world, it's like, what you want to yeah you want to end up working some service job and yeah, it's like, yeah i think maybe that, that's like, kind maybe of that's what i'm good at like the, <laughs> you know the, the odds all of us that grew up in that time period like it completely fucked over a generation because like the whole the whole thing when we were growing up it was like oh yeah you got to go to school and like be good at tests and and be good at school so that you don't have to uh you know you don't have to 
sling burgers or you don't have to right. clean toilets or whatever. And now like so many of us, like when he get when he got mad that it when he was worried that the job was going to be outside, like me having mm-hmm. worked a desk job for like the last 15 years, I was like, "Wow, you're you're upset about being outside? That sounds like my fucking dream, like being right, exactly. like, dude, being having a job where I'm outside and I get to build a thing sounds kind of awesome." But, yeah, building yeah. a thing and hanging out with other dudes. Yeah. yeah, and you get to wear jeans and be like, "Hey, fuckface, where are you going?" To your yeah. like, coworker. Yeah, <laughs> you know, not have to. You get to like, whistle at pretty girls as they you, walk instead of dude, trying to I, like parse a corporate email that's in a language that uh, you, right. that you don't even really understand. <laughs> and a union job. Yeah, Bro, and a I, union job. I had to work a corporate event on Wednesday at the bar, and every time one of these things happens, I am so fucking happy because i'm at work i'm wearing jeans i'm in fucking vans and a t-shirt and i'm mm-hmm. surrounded by these dudes who are five years younger than me but look 27 years older than me and yeah in their patagonia vests and talking about <laughs> deals and worried about who's talking to who and i'm just like i'm gonna go home to my house after this and just like not send an email yeah so maybe yeah. maybe <laughs> I might not send an email for another month. I don't know. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like there's all this there's all this pressure to like right. not, not become yeah, this. There was you know, this pressure. Being. Yeah, there was this pressure to not do those jobs that were right in front of you. Like I mean, I went to like a you know a a better college and like most of my Same. friends, you know, it was like you're trying to get like this internship or you're trying to go to grad school or you're always like you're you're doing the overachiever thing which is that you are continually trying to find the next step and then i think about like who is the happiest of people that i knew and it's probably like the guy who got a restaurant job uh when we were like freshmen or sophomores in college and kept it the entire time and now he's like the manager and and like has like a has a comfortable living and is doing a thing that seems to be enjoyable but uh that was the thing that everybody looked down on at the time so i i i understand what you guys are saying uh like vis-a-vis aj you know maybe finding another job and not not having that pressure of having to go to school deciding do you want to be a doctor or a lawyer like maybe would have been helpful um maybe going to a trade school but part of me is like i don't actually know if he could have avoided the version of himself that he is at this point uh in the show um i don't know if he could have avoided it because of the fact that he has grown up with um image of yourself so much being tied to what you do that like I, he can't work at blockbuster yeah that's kind of what he i wondered like, like it loser. seemed like even even in junior high like he's grown up in this big house out in the suburbs like if he tried to go to you know trade school or something at that point i don't know if it would have it would have stuck it wouldn't have stuck yeah. because he would have felt like a loser a worker bee you know just some you know lower class peon and i feel like the it to some extent everyone in america grows up thinking that their job is their identity um and uh that's no different for aj but there's one key difference which is that the image the of the basically only cool job out there for him are rapper um (laughs) famous skateboarder and mobster guy so like so for him, he's he's not going to be able to look at any other occupation with any kind of like, um, oh, man, that could be my identity, which is why like later, you know, I think he starts seeing those 
commercials for the military and starts thinking, yeah, that's that's an identity I could have. I could be my job because that's what he wants to be in the end. Um, and I also I, I do think that like uh, he I think what would have helped and I think this is true for everybody uh, who grew up at our time. And like now, if you have kids, maybe don't teach them that their occupation is going to be something they need to know immediately. Right. Don't teach them or that it's that, going to be their whole identity oh, yeah. or that it's their whole identity. Uh, give them time to figure out the thing they like to do and, and don't pressure them to choose at a young age, just because, oh, well, you know, the kids around them know they want to be a doctor or a lawyer or whatnot. The problem with AJ is he just doesn't know. He doesn't know what he wants. Shut up, Siri, Siri, stop, Siri, Siri, stop. Unbelievable. Anyways. Um, to your point, yeah, dude. I mean, I have uh, a nephew who's 16 and like I can kind of see like the 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 wandering spirit, so to speak, in him and like, I try all the time to just be like, and, and I'm, he's growing up exactly where I grew up. And I'm like, look, I know all your friends. I already know what college they're going to. And they're, they're, they have jobs with their dads lined up or, you know, whatever the fuck. Like, mm -hmm. and you're not like, I can already tell he's not feeling that. And I like, I'm, you know, as much as I can without being overbearing, like trying to be like, it's going to be all right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, you're going to find something that you, either are good at and don't mind doing or you love and like is going to take you a little bit but like it's going to be fine and like right. especially growing up you know they're in Caldwell which is like a little bit or West Caldwell pardon me uh, mm -hmm. a little bit farther West Caldwell West yeah. Caldwell I'm sorry um, that was Steve Buscemi's racist getting, thank you for getting my call back there yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> You know, there's all this pressure on, and I felt it too, where I was just like, you all know what you're doing all like already. And like, you know, to Vince's point, like, you know, I went to, a, I went to an all business school where everyone from like the jump was like going to wall street in four years. Right. And, and I was like, you understand that stuff <laughs> yeah. and be like, what? We're 18, bro. And you're yeah. already like, this is what I'm doing. Like, aside from like, I can get like, yeah, that job will pay you a lot and you'll have a lot of money and money's cool because we're idiot teenagers. Yeah. Um, but also like, you know, I, I didn't get like all these kids I went to college with were like, uh, did you see the uh, HR blah, blah, blah. And I'd be mm -hmm. like, you want, want to like, this is training you to just be like this, not to get too philosophical, but like this cog that's just like, mm -hmm. I like office, office right. <laughs> yeah. gives me money and like it's it was just very strange that like to feel like this outlier of like i don't know if i want to do this and everyone being like yeah. you don't you're sort of weirdo <laughs> like, right uh maybe i don't know i think me getting bad grades uh and not being good at school or tests um is probably one of the greatest blessings uh like that i i kind of lucked out because if I had been good at school, I totally would have been like on the track to, you know, be a lawyer or something because that was what I was told you're supposed to do. Sure. And um, and I can't tell you how many ex-lawyers 
slash stand-up comics i met at open mics <laughs> yeah, oh yeah 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 bro that i was just like man i'm so glad i'm not well, half a million dollars in debt whole, at an open our mic. whole generation of over overachievers it was like oh shit what do i do now uh i guess law school is a thing that people who want to continue like right. getting good grades is a th- and then of course it law school immediately churned out like you know 150 percent more law school grads than there were lawyer jobs right so. <laughs> Yeah, Bro, I have a I have a friend that's still in school. <laughs> like, like I talk to him once every two years, and he'll be like, "Well, finishing up this program," and I'm like, "Are you ever not going to be a student?" Like, I don't <laughs> understand what is the end game here. I mean, you know, it's uh, I mean, I understand it for some people. Some people like at their if especially if you work in academia, you know, or in the sciences or, you know, you're a teacher getting like advanced degrees, like just bumps you up a pay grade or whatever. But like, yeah, there are some people who just like school. And well, yeah, uh, if you have enough money to keep going to school, shit, I would have done that. But <laughs> oh. yeah. well, anyways, yeah, we got to move on from AJ's storyline. Um uh, just to get into the end of Carm uh, storyline, we have Carm and Roe going to France, and we we talked a bit about this already. Um, but uh, I think the greatest scene in this episode is watching Carm try to talk to Roe about her dead kid and dead <laughs> husband in the middle of vacation. Because she thinks, like, this is something, this is a way that we can connect. And this is where, like, I realized that Rosalie or Priel is one of my favorite characters on this show. And possibly, possibly top three for me now. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, because I just, I, I love who she is. I love that she is, um, she's completely thought out as a character. She is someone who does not look at her life under a microscope in this way that every single other mobster or mob wife does, in which they imagine themselves the movie of themselves, Um, this giant tragic opera of all of the things. Like, she has just been through so much bullshit, and she just wants to go shopping and she wants to fuck a 20-year-old Frenchman on a motorcycle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Carm, that, that, Carm is basically like the representative of uh, like American liberalism where it's like she yes. wants to do the same things as Tony, but she also wants to feel bad about it and make other people feel bad about it despite not mm-hmm. changing her behavior in any way. Right. It's like, yo, it's just the, the, the goal of it is to uh, occasionally like self-flagellate over it, but also just do the same thing. Yeah, Carmela also just always wants the high ground. Yeah. Yeah. She wants like, the moral high ground. Yeah. And like, you know, she could kind of, and this, you know, she asks about, <clears throat> um, not Anthony Jr., Jesus Christ. I talked about AJ too much today. Um, <laughs> Jackie Jr. Jackie Jr., yeah. Right after Roe gets this hot 26 year old's number, which, yeah. You know, and Carmela's like, you know, I said it earlier, like, she doesn't, she's so selfish that she doesn't see it. You know, mm-hmm. like I'm just, con- I'm just concerned about you, me, the wonderful Carmela who has the life that you should have Ro, Cause you were married to the boss. Now right. I, 
And remember your dead son, right? As dinner comes, like <laughs> yeah. she almost, she needs people to be on their heels in that respect. And then of course, when Rose like, why the fuck would you bring that up? She's like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean like, you're right. Like, yeah, I have a, I have a clip of that scene together. It's like, until you saw them, they never existed and you never existed to them. I don't know. Maybe, maybe you're more philosophical person than I am. No, no, it just made me think that's all. Can we just, sorry, real quick. Can we talk about um, uh, this Carm's theory of like Schrodinger's Paris uh, where she's like, <laughs> she's she's bringing up this like, I don't know, semi-basic concept of like, just like, hey, you know, sometimes it feels like the world is a play just for me. And Rosalie is just like, yeah, no, I don't really think about it like that maybe you're smarter than i am and <laughs> what i love about that is that it's like that that might be true she's might be more intellectual but she's also a thousand times more miserable and it makes yes. me love rosalie all the more tomorrow we hit the stores chloe dior and kelly bag when we were in saint eustache i noticed that you lit two candles for jackie and jackie jr right you know we never really talked about that I mean, I, I cannot begin to imagine losing a son. Jesus, calm. We're on vacation. We're having a beautiful dinner. Why would you bring this up? I didn't mean to upset you, Ro. It's just I thought because we had this time together. But I... it's fucking morbid. That's what it is. Okay, I'm sorry, Ro. He's dead. He's gone. What can I do about it? Light a candle. I picture him with his dad and with his grandma, who he loved, and with Jesus. What's the matter with you? Why would you bring New Jersey here? It's such a wonderful fucking scene. Watching Rosalie April in Paris just trying to forget, just trying yeah. to, like, screw and eat and buy. And I'm like, you know, some people just know how to live. You yeah, know? and, you know, back to your maybe you're smarter than me thing, it's like, this is why I love the show. They got so much right. It's like, that's a very like Italian warning of like, I kind of want you to shut the fuck up. <laughs> like, yeah. And this is my way of saying that because the next thing I'm going to say is like, would you shut the fuck up? Like, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, it's like I'm, I don't know. Maybe you're more philosophical than I am. Like, like, can yeah. we, like, can we move on? Can we move like, on? I don't, don't want to talk about this. She literally does move on. She just talks about like all the shops. And you that's know? like a very, like I understand her. Cause it's like, that's a perfect, you know, characterization of that person. You know, yeah. like, and Carm's like doing the thing it. where she's like, uh, I feel like we need to talk about this terrible thing that happened. I'm not going to do yeah. it. Like it's already happened. I can do nothing to change it, but what if we just dwelled on it for a while? Yeah. And right. she's like, no, I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah. Part of it is, I think on a conscious level, it is just her trying to be given permission to talk about to Jersey. Poetically. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, well, they say it, they say no one knows who we are here. And then it's like, that when she first says it, it's like, no one knows who we are here. This is great. And then she goes on and on and on and realizes like, fuck, no one knows who we are here. No one's ever going to know who the fuck I was. Yeah. Right. Like, can we bring it back into a concept context where like everyone knows who I am? And also I'm, I still have my son and my boss husband. I was going to say, it's, it's sort of this uh, 21st century concept of friendship, which is that like, 
mm-hmm. a friend is someone who you like discuss bad things with, which yes, uh, yeah. I don't know that that's right. That's like a weird thing that we've decided <laughs> uh, culturally. And I'm like, I don't, and, and Ro clearly doesn't subscribe to it. And so she's just like, no, that's not right. what I want. It's not what we want to yeah, do and here. It, and it's also not like Jackie died in a car accident. <laughs> right. Yeah. You're Very right. obvious. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, you know, your son's tragic death from a drug dealer, a drug right. gone, drug deal gone bad. When like Rose sitting there, like I know exactly what happened. Yeah, right. You know I mean, and she says at the funeral, you know, when they're at uh, Vesuvio, he's like, "What?" You know, when Tony's phone rings, he's like, "What's the matter? The, the betting line moved." Like, yeah. or at the funeral uh, funeral parlor, she says that it's like she knows the score. Right. She knows like, yeah, we're well, here to mourn my dead son, but also like, if money gets involved, like I'm going to lose you. Like, right here as my friend. Right. You and know. I I think th- that's why I think Carmel is bringing it up is because I think she she wants to discuss this and I I think there is part of her too that wants to um relate this to what happened to Adriana. And you see in a later scene that like uh there's a little dream sequence where um Carmela, you know, sees Adriana walking Cosette and then a policeman goes, someone needs to tell her that she's dead. And so I I, I believe that what Carmela was trying to do is connect to Roe on this kind of trauma level. So as to start the conversation about like, should we find out whether or not our uh, my husband murdered Adriana or my, my nephew? Um, yeah. But I might be reading into it a little bit much. So yeah, now uh, the final storyline is the Vito, Phil, Tony storyline. Um, we start off with uh, Phil and Tony squabbling over no-show jobs and how he should have never caved on the vitamins. I love finding out these little little bits where I don't know what, what the vitamin scam was, but I love that Tony feels uh, like he was ripped off for the vitamins. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh, as Tony is sitting in a uh, in a mall food court, I think. Garden you, State Plaza. Is sitting in Garden State Plaza, probably eating a Sabaro pizza. Um, <laughs> Vito corners him and uh, and tells him that he wants back in. And uh, I, I have a clip of that. I want back in. Can I sit? No, you can't sit. It's complicated. I was working things out. I'm sure it gets complicated when you're taking it up your fag ass. I'm not a fag. I never was. Excuse me? It was the medication I was on. My blood pressure. It fucked with my head, but I'm over that now. I could probably get a letter from my doctor. A note from your doctor saying you don't like to suck cock? First of all, I think every doctor should be able to write a note that says you don't like to suck cock. I can't think of a school, a single school kid who couldn't use that doctor. Officially note. not gay. Yeah. <laughs> my doctor says sometimes when my blood pressure is high, I like to suck cock. To whom it may but concern. I'm on Sartan now. <laughs> Vito Spadafore is not gay. 100% not gay. Yeah. Um, I, I, so in that scene, um, you know, Vito is basically trying to pay his way back in and he sweetens the pot by giving him being like, I'll give you two hundred thousand dollars. And, um, you know, when no one needs to know. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he basically says, you know, I can work in in Atlantic City and people are more more tolerant there, um, which uh, I thought was an interesting thing after saying, like, I'm not gay, which is, you know, I'm not gay. Math and run girls. 
Right, exactly. Um, I, I'm going to sell meth and run girls, but I need to do it in a place that's more tolerant of my high blood pressure lifestyle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and then next, uh, you know, Tony is mulling it over, but he tells he tells the boys about it. That was and... his big mistake. Like, why Like, why are you telling anybody about this? Like, if you want to take the 200K and let Vito do some gangster Back shit in. in AC, like, why do you... Does he have to tell the boys? I guess... I, I think he does because like people are gonna know that he's around and I think he's also kind of I think Tony would have absolutely been happy to have ke- kept Vito on if he could have gotten uh backup from his crew he knows that Phil is not into it um and that there's like gonna be issues there but if his entire crew was like cool with it and they were like no yeah this is good then I think I think he would have stood his ground, but, um, you know, that didn't yeah, end. He had to, I mean, look, they, they consistently hammered home that like Vito was a top earner and it's like all Tony cares about is money. Right. And then you even see the, the, the angle shifts, you know, it's, it's a closer shot once he's like, I'll give you 200 K. No one needs to know about it. It's like, right. Tony's yeah. like caught there. This also has a great moment where Vito says, this is also a very particular, um, perfect uh moment that i understood which vito saying my brother's over there and tony takes it as a threat and goes what the fuck's that supposed to mean and, and vito just goes nothing just he's over there it's just like this <laughs> yeah. is perfect like you know vito vito's literally just telling him his brother's over there you know right. but he's also telling him like if something happens to me my brother's over there and tony's right. like what the fuck is that supposed to be you think i'm gonna do something and vito yeah. can't be like yeah i think you're gonna do something yeah i so think you were goes, going to murder me nothing it just means he's over there and it's like mm-hmm. it's the the subtext is all like it's all perfect on that you know from that uh, all that dialogue it's like but when Tony you say not- just saying like when you're like yeah. oh, what, what are you telling me this for i don't know just yeah. saying just saying yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. Tony does not like being sandbagged, and no. he uh, he tells Syl, and um, he tells Chris, and uh, they have some theories. He was fucking stalking you, T. That's the thing with the gays. Still living in the closet. Makes them devious. Say what you will about Richie April. But when he found out his son was gay, he did the right thing. He disowned him. I got an AA meeting. <laughs> So wait a second, Richie Aprile's son, wasn't he the ballet dancer? Yes, he did not disown him. I was going to say, he didn't disown him. Or or if he did, it happened between episodes and we never saw it. Right. I mean... Or or posthumously. Or yeah, yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It's in his will, did he disown him? Like, what the fuck? Um, There's something about Syl. Spends spends this whole episode saying the funniest like off screen shit. Like there's a scene that opens where he just get, says he's yelling back at a, at somebody. Make sure she wipes that shit off her tit, and then and <laughs> yeah. then the scene starts. Make sure you clean that shit off her tit. Vito, Atlantic City, forget it. You gotta pick your battles. You want your no show jobs? Vito's gotta go. If Vito wanted to pursue that lifestyle, he should have done so quietly. He was, wasn't he? I just hey, I, he's talking I, to the guy cleaning the Bing sign. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's <laughs> he was right. Just in the background, the rest of the time, like, oh, it's not coming off <laughs> because <laughs> it's still there the whole scene. But then Vito goes and sees his uh, son and daughter, and um, tells them that he's <laughs> he was a spy for the CIA in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. which is like one of the like 
I don't know, more sad moments just because you realize, like, the grift is never going to end. Like, Vito's choice to go back to Jersey is fraught with so much shit that can just po- it can't possibly ever work out that you you watch this episode and you know what's coming. It's it's you knew what was coming three episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, I mean you know? also don't go back to Jersey and then right. get a motel in Fort Lee, which is right <laughs> over the bridge. Like if the guys you are afraid are going to kill you are in New York, go farther than Fort Lee. Yeah. Literally the last town before you get into Manhattan. Well, like literally all of their life skills are predicated around living in this one small area for their entire yeah. life. Mm-hmm. And so you try to take them away from away from that and they realize they're just completely lost. Uh, and he's got to go back no matter even if he knows part of him probably knows that he's going to get killed if he does that. But he can't help it. Maybe. Um, but he, he tells his is, uh, you know, his son and daughter that he is a spy. He also tells Marie um that he's finished with all that gay stuff you know he's how it goes it runs its course it runs its course from your doctor and it's over yeah um and then immediately it's followed with him uh veto talking to johnny cakes on the phone and johnny cakes basically wanting to have nothing to do with him um and it's just so sad because you're just like Oh, well, you you fucking left a good thing, bro. Mm-hmm. You left a good thing for for more lies. You know, that's it's it's just so yeah, it's tragic. But uh meanwhile, Phil is with his wife and his wife is just ashamed of having a gay in her own family and you know, is telling Phil, "Oh, he should be made to face his problems squarely. Uh, I'm I'm ashamed to show my face in front of the priest. Great, it, great mob wife moment right there. Just I mean, like laying it on, but also like I'm in the bathroom washing my face. I don't know what you're talking about. It, so. Yeah, she's pulling what I would have like said is Olivia. Very she, Olivia. I was she, just going to say that. Yeah, I don't know what you're talking. About. I don't know what you're talking about, but gayness is bad. And we uh, I think we all know that Vito needs to go, but I don't mean go. As you the know, priest like... said, there's nothing gay about hell. That's <laughs> <laughs> a good line. Yeah, I think one of our emailers a uh, few mm-hmm. weeks back like floated the theory that uh, Phil Phil is, gay. Phil is gay, and I was like, okay, whatever. That's like you know, that's one of those <laughs> theories that is you could put that in there, and it, maybe, maybe not. But then in this episode, like they do make some very clear hints. Where like they do like a weird uh, close up on Phil like grasping the covers more tightly when uh, when they're beating when Vito they, to that, death and I was like yeah, yeah. it feels like they're trying to hint at something there yeah so he knows there's this pressure to kill him and whatnot and I do think he is conflicted about it for multiple reasons one could be that he's gay but I think the ultimate part of the theory that could hold up is the fact that when Vito is beat up inside of his motel room and gagged phil literally comes out of the closet (laughs) and calls and calls him a fucking disgrace and then grips the bed as they beat him uh, they beat him to death um the coming out of the closet thing you could read that as like i feel like they were trying to hint that hint at something more there for sure that's one way to read it the other way to read it is like the sopranos cannot make a whacking scene 
that's not funny. <laughs> they just don't know how to stop themselves from doing a joke at the most dramatic scenes. They, they, they it's like, you know, it's it's common with them that every death scene is funny. And yeah. I feel like they were I mean, like pa Paulie and Chris and the Russian when Chris is like, where the fuck are you? Yeah, like, yeah. On his back. I mean, just there's so many funny death scenes in the Sopranos. And I looked at that as like, this is just, this is just, uh, I don't know, yeah. along those it's, lines. Yeah. It's very, it could be that it's also just very stereotypical stupid italian just being like it's not dramatic enough that i'm gonna beat this guy to death it's like <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna hide in the closet oh because uh, the closet is a euphemism for uh, where gay people live right i come out of the, are you guys still with me no yeah, <laughs> yeah i'm just gonna go get in the i'm just gonna go get in the closet so now. dramatic it's like when did he get in there was he like guys when he gets here <laughs> Give me the sign and I'll head in there. Or was he just like you walked in the room and was like, I'll see you in a minute. Like, what was it like how many hours is he going to wait in there? <laughs> Did a whole day pass where he's just yeah. in the closet? It's yeah. very R. Kelly. Yes. Oh, that'd be a good song. Um. Anyways. Uh, I, so, think, I think they're definitely trying to imply that Phil was gay a little bit there. Yeah. Very, very, and they also cut to him lying in bed at night. Yeah. Just like with his eyes open. Yeah. Right. Right. You know. Thinking about all that horrible gay sex. Yeah, yeah. yeah how Evil. hot it was. Yeah. The, the sin of doing hot gay stuff. Um, I think so. Another my favorite part about the whole Vito storyline is just uh, how very self-interested everybody is in this. Like everybody's trying to, uh, like no one's really thinking about this in terms of whether what he did is like justifying the punishment. It's all, everybody's playing an angle. Uh, yeah. Phil is trying to, make Tony look like a bad boss to sort of improve his own position. Uh, it, 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 like him versus Tony, like he's trying to improve his crew's position in that by making it look like Tony's indecisive and a bad leader. Tony is, you know, mulling over taking the, the money, which is the most obvious. Uh, and then my mm -hmm. favorite is just the random guy at the store who decides that he's going to buy, he's going to, uh, borrow money from Vito, uh, and, then, and then when Vito gets <laughs> yeah. killed, someone else says, man, you know what I Happy. wish? I wish I would have borrowed some money from him before he, before he did it. And he's just smiling <laughs> yeah. and just stirring sauce. Yeah. Yeah. And you're just that like, was so good. Just uh, very Italianly stirring <laughs> sauce. Smugly stirring the sauce. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to talk about how that there was a bodybuilding competition? Yes. On? <laughs> okay, thank so God. This is, this is the next moment in which like the Sopranos can't stop itself. It cannot help itself from making even the most dramatic moments funny. So um, Marie is crying about fucking Vito's death. He didn't even look like a person. And meanwhile, uh, Phil is trying to, you know, console her while a Goomba is sitting watching a fucking bodybuilding competition. Which I have never seen on television ever. in my entire <laughs> life. Bro, I got to be honest. The only time I've ever seen bodybuilding on TV is at Gold's Gym in Venice. They just play Pumping Iron. Right. And like the Mr. Olympia from like. 1997 for some reason i don't even it, know if that's the right year but it's the same competition over and over that's the only time i've ever seen i mean i feel like the aughts were peak bodybuilding years i feel like it probably peaked maybe mm -hmm. like 2001 2002 so this is a little late 
uh, in the game. Well, I don't know that it was on TV. It wasn't on TV. I think this... you could have found bodybuilding on TV at some point. Bro, no? ESPN2 would put Strongman on mm. just... more than yes. Mr. Sure. Olympia. Yeah, but uh, I, I have a clip of just that. The way they beat him. Oh, God, his face. He didn't even look like a person anymore. Can't let your mind dwell on... Turn that off. <laughs> so good. Uh, meanwhile, um, fucking uh, Phil's wife is just telling Marie, well, remember, it's a sin. As you're mourning your, your husband who's been beaten uh-huh. to death, she reminds um, Marie to be thankful for the fact <laughs> that, hey, at least you're not a 40-year-old tailor who is going blind. 47. And then, <laughs> yeah, forty-seven yeah. year old Taylor yeah, yeah. going blind. Could tries to outcry her. Could be worse. Mm-hmm. He could be a Taylor going blind. A Taylor, he's going blind. Forty-seven years old, walking those shoes. <laughs> Just maybe one of the worst, most evil characters on The Sopranos that does not get enough screen time. Phil Leotardo's wife. I mean, she's just. She is a whole fucking character. I love um, the cut. I love the cut to the other old person who just rolls her eyes. Yeah. <laughs> and I also love that Phil goes, you know, he was a good man, right? He goes, I loved him like a brother-in-law, which like is something, something no one in the world has ever said. <laughs> you know, like, like he might as well have just been like, I feel like I have to say something kind here. Yeah. You know, like. So then, Fat Dom. Uh, I mean, imagine goes- trying to big time someone who's husband just got brutally beaten like with someone else's grief that's just tangentially in your life yes yeah yeah yeah. and browbeat them yeah who very quickly was like the he's losing his eyesight i'll take it to the korean tomorrow right exactly (laughs) i have a solution to this already yeah (laughs) (laughs) um so fat dom goes to satrials and talks shit um and uh he is then stabbed to death by carlo uh, in uh, one of my favorite, I think, and most justified uh, whacking scenes on the show. Um, and uh, I have a, a clip of that. A pool cue. I wonder if it was chalked. Very funny, Don. Very cute. I don't quite get it, but hey, you know, the autopsy found a three ball in his side pocket. You're on a run. They found a hanky from Carlos lipstick in his other pocket. I'm just breaking balls. You're right, though. Shouldn't laugh about a tragedy. That old homo actor, Raymond Navarro? Come to think of it, he was from Jersey, too. What'd they find up your mother's cunt? Time to hit the trail from a touching, huh? What do you say? My mistake. Carlos' lipstick was on Vito's car. Hell! Take this brick! Carlos! Carlos! Oh, I got to say, very cathartic hit. I mean, they were, he was just begging to get whacked. I don't find right? it very realistic, but, uh, you know, I, I appreciate I appreciate the scene where someone begs to be whacked and then gets whacked. Mm-hmm. I think, yeah, I think it's nice to, uh, it was a nice release for anyone watching the show who was just like, man, we're just kind of skirting past this, like, very traumatic hate crime that has <laughs> yeah. happened on the show. And and how in this world everyone continues to just do homophobic shit. There's a casual bit of homophobia where um, I think it was Ernan or one of AJ's scumbag friends is like sitting and they're playing video games. And he goes, 
what's the hardest part about skateboarding? Telling that your your parents that you're gay, and uh, just this like you know fucking constant casual homophobia. It was nice to watch a guy show up, say a bunch of gay jokes, and immediately get stabbed to death. Yeah. It was. That was for that, the audience. That's also a rollerblading joke. I, yeah, right? I was going to say, that's not a skateboarding yeah. joke. Yeah, yeah, fuck off. Skateboarding's cool. It's rollerblading. It's fruit booters. <laughs> Dude, I remember saying fruit booters and meaning it. <laughs> Se- seventh grade, just being like, fucking fruit booters out here at our mall. Um, <laughs> I think it's great that when Tony showed up to Satrials, you know, these guys, it, you, it shows they're like... Um, uh, juvenile tendencies of like Tony sees the dead body and the first thing Carlo says is like still hit him first yeah, right? yeah. Just like further illuminates and that's maybe why Tony immediately calls and gets AJ the, the job is he's just like every fucking person in my life is a child and right just, like, acts like a child even and, though like, yes even though if Tony ahead. had been in that room he 100% would have uh, participated in the whacking yeah, because yeah. like you, Matt said, they all needed it. They, they, everyone needs a release that like they're comfortable with, which is just like, oh, thank right. God we killed a guy and have a new thing to talk about. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And they oh, needed with the you vipers. Know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they needed uh, payback. They needed payback for the death because, you know, gay or not, Vito was a captain in their crew. And this is something that had to happen so and even got one of the guys who participated in the whacking like what couldn't be any better yeah it's kind of perfect uh and then finally just to end the episode um the final scene is or the second to last scene is the kids reading about their dead dad in the newspaper and learn he wasn't a spy which is a tragic way of finding that out and then the final scene is the guy who took the photos of Vito for the Thin Club recognizes Vito from the newspaper. And we end with a shot of skinny Vito pulling his pants. And um, and that's the episode. That's everything that happens. Uh, real quick, favorite, least favorite, uh, Vince? Uh, yeah, well, we, we talked about, I had two favorites, which was, uh, the guy smugly stirring the sauce after, uh, realizing Mm -hmm. he was the only one to borrow money, uh, from Vito right before he died. Um, also, I also liked, there's nothing gay about hell. Yeah. It's a great line. You know, he didn't think of that himself. Yeah. It would have been a good episode Uh, title, I think, but you know. Yeah. Um, Paul, favorite, least favorite or scene we forgot to talk about? Oh man. Uh, my favorite probably uh carmela saying well aren't you mr positivity when you want to go to sleep yeah it's just like you know you kind of wish you saw more of that uh from from tony uh, yeah least favorite uh i don't really ha- i just i i like this episode so there was nothing least favorite uh fair, about it fair enough you know um my uh favorite is got to be this exchange between um Carm and Roe. You're not really going to go out with him, are you? I mean, he's like 26 years old. Duh. Just saying, <laughs> duh? Like, <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? That's exactly why I will go out with him. Mm-hmm. Young day. Yeah, yeah, what? Um, And real quick, malapropism corner is very relevant here. Uh, Roe's French words are great. Uh, she says decor instead of d'accord. Uh, she says frog <laughs> <laughs> hey, That was good. Instead of foie gras. 
Um, and then, of course, we got Louis Vuitton by uh, Tony, which is uh, wonderful. Um, and yeah, my my alternate title is uh, Rosalie in Paris. Um, and if I had to give this episode a letter grade, which I do, I think, yeah, I think I'd give it a B plus. Vince, what would you give this episode? Solid B plus. Okay. And yeah. What about you, Paul? I was going to say B plus. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Isn't yeah, that crazy? It's not, it's not an A cause there wasn't enough Chris in it, you yeah. know, uh, for me. And also he says, I got an AA meeting, which, you know, no one says. No one's ever said. Um, so yeah, B, I was gonna go B plus because I love it, but it's not A material because there's not enough Chris or not enough Polly for me. Fair enough, and that is a B plus episode of The Sopranos and an A plus episode of Pod Yourself a Gun. Paul Palmieri, thank you so much for coming on the thank show. Thank you guys. Thank you for dealing with my child, my children interruptions. Oh, I love your children. They're wonderful. Oh, dude, thank where, you. Where can we find you on the internet? On the internet, you can find me on Twitter at this Paul, on Instagram at this Paul, and reluctantly TikTok. I think it's just my name. Uh, at Paul? Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it's just reluctantly my name. Um, oh, okay. Uh, just Paul Palmieri, I think. I don't Check out Paul Palmieri on all of the social media thingies. Do it. Patreon.com slash broadcast for all of the bonus episodes. The $8 tier gets you a shout out. Vince, we have a few. Oh, boy. All Are right. you ready? Yeah, yeah. I'm cracking my, okay. my nickname knuckles. Get your nickname knuckles on. The first is Will Sellison. Sellison plus, uh, we call this guy Snake Pliskin. He's <laughs> got a lot of asses in his name. That's all. You know, S- Snake Bliskin? Pliskin. Dude, come on. You ever seen Escape from L.A.? Get out of here. Oh, I actually have or not, New York, no. whatever. I don't know. I, I never. Say, you went with L.A. Well, he did both. He did both. <laughs> yeah. you know. uh, he escapes next... from all the metropolises. He likes to escape from cities. Um, next is uh, Chris Erig. Oh, Keurig. We call this guy. Uh, we call this guy uh, the Pod. You know, because he's the Keurig. Let's call him Keurig yeah. or the Pod. All right, very good. And then we have Chris Derner. Oh. Chris the Erner. <laughs> Sounds a lot like Christopher Dorner. <laughs> it was the ex-cop who killed all them cops. Oh, so- man. If you could have seen your face after you said, we have Chris Derner? Yeah. <laughs> See, I read it. I read it as Chris D apostrophe Erner, like he's a really good earner for the family. Oh. So we'll, we'll call this guy Vito. Vito was a good earner. R.I.P. Okay. Uh, next is Jack Stockwell. Oh, Stockwell. First we got a Derner and now we got a Stockwell. Uh, I'm going to call this guy uh, Merrill Lynch. Okay. (laughs) Uh, two more. We got Jacob Graves. Uh, the Reaper. He makes graves for all the people. (laughs) And finally, Nick Posawatz. Yeah. We call call this guy Big Posse. All right, big posse. Mm-hmm. That's very good. That's sure, very good. Is it? Lots washing pots. Either that or uh, Watts. You know, we could call him the Riot. I, I don't know. We got I, a lot I of. I really nickname. like big posse. I think you got it. Yeah. Um, okay. Once again, that's Patreon.com. Eight dollars or more gets you a shout out and a mob nickname. 
patreon.com slash broadcast check it out broadcast at gmail.com for all your questions comments and concerns vince what is the google voice number four one five zero four one four one five two seven five zero zero three zero all right everyone thanks again so much for listening and until next time don't stop believing seven o'clock in the morning and my bootyock wife wakes me i'm stretching and i'm yawning and i'm wishing that you were with me and a voice yells good morning Philly, from the bathroom then she comes out and kisses me and i'm thinking She's got this dumb look on her face like she's so concerned She says if Vito doesn't repent to that he's gonna burn She tells me I must be the one to tell him what he's done Now I fucking gotta follow him home To a fucking motel up the road Now here I am quickly trying to put on my clothes Swallowing some vitamins that I stole from the soprano Then I call some friends of ours Said Vito's down that way Looked at myself in the mirror Said I guess today's the day Vito is at a payphone Talking to who knows who I watch him with some givos As we stake out Vito's fucking room Shut, shut, quiet Hurry up and get in the closet Philly won't make a sound Cause this shit is going down Why don't we just shoot him? That's what we usually do Yes, except we only have a pool cue Shit, think, shit, think, shit, think, put me in the closet. And now I'm in this darkest closet trying to figure out just how is Jersey gonna respond when they figure this shit out. And Vito's still there on the phone, and I'm just sitting there in his room. He hangs up with a smile on his face, waddling over to his doom. He's thinking about how he told his wife that he's not gay, he has high blood pressure. Telling you right now the joke in a scholarly heat. An Oscar. Goombas sneak up behind Vito and they proceed to fuck his shit up. Philly's still in the closet and he's like, what the fuck is going on? You're not gonna believe it, but the song still has a few minutes left. I didn't write enough lyrics and now I'm just going off the top of my head. I try my best every week to write a brand new fucking song. But I can't always do it and sometimes things just go on for too long. The Goombas bust through the door with poor Vito what are you doing here? Why couldn't you just fucking stay down south? Crying ain't begging. looking at the door. They said it was just my medication. And they said, bitch, say no more. The worse to him. And I'm biting my nails. I'm waiting for my moment, but this death will be dramatic as hell. We don't think enough Johnny. And dark for New Hampshire. I'm thinking about Tony. I pull out my fucking pee. Look at the closet. We don't look at the closet. Billy's still in the closet. Now he's open in the closet. 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 Uh, not my best work. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.